Well, a question I want us to, to process a little bit more today, and don't worry, I'm not going to preach for 50 minutes, or I might, maybe I shouldn't say it because I might be lying, but, <laughs> but uh, as we look back on the faithfulness of God, and as we look back to what He's been accomplishing in our lives and what He's been accomplishing in the lives of others, um, I've often noticed in my own life that usually God begins to develop themes uh, themes in a conversation with him, themes in the experiences that he, he brings me through. And I think it's the same for us as the people of God too, especially as a local church. Is there are seasons that God brings us through and seasons that God brings us into. And as I've been praying and conversing with God, uh, just asking the question, well, what is next for this church community? Where do we go from here in this next season? What are, what are some of the things that he's been doing um, and where do we go? And we had a beautiful time yesterday as a board leadership uh, just discussing this question and, and celebrating and celebrating what God has been up to. And I'm glad that some of my thoughts have aligned with theirs, but basically what I want to do for some of our time together is just begin to, to ponder what, what could God be doing in this next season, what He might be calling us to. And so the first one that really came in my conversation with God was this season of, of making space for the stranger. And we've already began to witness as a community that there's been new people moving here, there's been people who moved from the city, there's been people who moved from around the country, and, and it's realizing for us as a church, what does the next season hold for us and what it means to make space for the stranger? And there's some beautiful passages that reminds us of the calling we have as the people of God. Uh, Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, welcome another, one another as Christ has welcomed who? As Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. In other words, Christ has welcomed you into His family. He's adopted you. He's brought you in. And that should be the same mentality we have for the unknown. Uh, Leviticus also brings this law into equation. It says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger as sojourns with you as who? As the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. Why? Brings up the story of the Exodus. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In other words, this is my character. This is what you've called to do. Now, I have a unique experience as a kid because I lived in 19 different places by the time I was 17. Can anyone top that in this room? Maybe a few. I know a few moved around a lot. And so, well, coming into a new community became a norm for me. And it was fascinating to me as a child seeing how different communities interacted and different communities brought people in, how different people treated different strangers. And I think the calling we have as a church, according to Scripture, is that we as the church should be at the forefront of what it means to welcome people into a new community, especially those who have come in with no social connections, with no relational ties. Uh, the church really should be that connection point. So I think the first and foremost calling we have in this season is what does it look like to create space for the stranger? And so I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know if that's showing more hospitality. I don't know if that's coming to a stranger you're hanging out with in the park or the store and just simply introducing yourself. But what does it mean to show space for the stranger? Second one, 
Be a people and place of healing and shalom. We spent a lot of times talking about some of the things we've celebrated this past season, but at the same time, we know many of you are going through deep suffering and sorrow and hardship. And as the people of God, we're called to mourn with those who mourn. We're called to suffer with those who suffer. We're called to be a people of healing, to be a people of shalom. And Jesus says to them, to his disciples, he says, peace. And you guys know what peace means? What's the, the Jewish word for peace, the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom, right? Shalom is this wholeness, completeness in our relationship with God, with others, with ourselves, and with creation. He says, peace be with you. In other words, I'm giving you my peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And he says, what do you need to do with this peace? He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am what? Sending you. In other words, we're called to be a people of peace. We're called to be a people of shalom. We're sent on a mission to be messengers of healing and restoration and uh, shalom. And then 1 Thessalonians reminds us, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have a calling to bring healing and shalom into every aspect of our lives and the lives of others. It's a pursuit we need to do in this season. The third one, probably one of the most important, is pray and fast. Pray and fast. And the reason why I think in this season we especially need to pray and fast is because Ephesians 6 tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against who? The rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, we are fighting a deeply spiritual battle right now. And we've seen so many people in this church who are going through difficulties and hardships and doubts and struggles and loss and grief and trauma. And we realize that so many times we want to focus on the external. And yet we have to deeply understand what it means to fight the spiritual battle. And when we look at fighting the spiritual battle, a lot of the, the spiritual classics sort of break it down into three categories. They break it down into the attacks of the devil, the schemes of the devil, the desires of the flesh, our sinful nature, and then the corruption and evil and injustice of this world. And so as we fight this spiritual battle, prayer brings us into this deep dependence upon God of being able to counteract and work against these forces that want to bring destruction and deceit and lies into our life and replace it with truth and justice and mercy. And then the fourth thing I believe God is calling us to is to step out in boldness. We spent a long season going through the book of Acts, and Acts was all about the early church stepping out in boldness. And after praying and fasting, what happened? They were sent out. It wasn't just that we, we come before God in, in desperation and dependence and we pray for His power, we pray for Him to guide us and direct us, but we actually must submit ourselves to Him to be sent out in boldness 
and courage to proclaim truth in a world of lies. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so often our struggles, we get overwhelmed, we get burdened, and yet God has promised that if we commit to prayer and fasting, God will sustain us and God will bring fruit into the struggle. And then the last one, rely upon the Holy Spirit. Amen to that? Zechariah 4.6, this verse has come up consistently through my time here. It's come up by not just me, but many other leaders in our church, where it says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. What is it? Let's say this together. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And we are entering into a season especially in our nation, when the rise of secularism is becoming so prominent, so powerful right now. Um, We are truly being marginalized from society, which I believe is actually a good thing for the church in different seasons. And we realize that it's the, the power of the Spirit that will sustain us. It's the power of the Spirit that will advance us. And one of the images that uh, Melissa, one of our board members, brought up yesterday in our time of prayer and reflection is this concept of there's been a time in the season of Canada where there's almost like the church has ridden a tidal wave of cultural Christianity, where it's very much easy just to ride the wave of being a Christian and you can sort of be comfortable. There's nothing threatening you. There's nothing pushing you out of your comfort zone. It's, it can be even seen as normal in a culture. But guess what? Are those days still here in Canada? Not at all. And as that wave has died out, so to say, it's, it's almost like the, the sea is flat. And I had this, this picture that God gave me in my mind yesterday of sort of the church sitting out on a sailboat. And if a sailboat is sitting there with no waves and no wind, what's going to happen? It's going to go nowhere. And for those of you who've been on a big sailboat, uh, do you think you can sort of paddle your way through? No. No, you need the power of the wind. And I think it's the same for us as the church, is we need the power of the Spirit to blow. We need the Spirit to move. And so we come in prayer and fasting and dependence upon the Spirit, and we come knowing that God will work and God will do mighty things. And just as He has as we celebrated, we know that He will in the future. Amen, church? Amen.